0: very good morning to you all. It's great to be here. Um, Those of you online as well, good to see you all here. My name is Paul, if you don't know me, and uh, we're just going to start with a prayer. Thank you, Father, that we can be here this morning to listen and learn from your word. I pray that you will open our hearts and minds, that you will build us up and encourage us in these troubled times. Well, today, we are going to be considering a rescue. do any of you remember Thunderbirds, Yeah, you know, the TV show with the puppets and the great machines, all those rescue machines, International Rescue was fantastic. Um, it specialised in last-minute rescues in the most difficult of situations. Time was running out and new problems would get in their way, but at the last moment, they succeeded. I, I still enjoy watching it. Um, last-minute rescues are always exciting to watch, Well, what about real-life rescues? Um, I was was thinking of Apollo 13, you know, was meant to land on the moon but didn't make it because there was an explosion, Um, knocked out the computer and the air recycling and all sorts of things went wrong. And they had one chance to get back to Earth. They had to be facing exactly the right direction when they fired the engines for the last time. And they worked out that if they kept the Earth in one of the windows in exactly the right position, while the guy, guy who was steering it couldn't see it, had to stand up, and look at this while he was trying to steer, and I had to keep it directly in that point just for the length of time that they fired the engines and they managed it of course and they got back and, you know, and that's, their, their efforts of course bring praise don't they it's wonderful that they managed to, to help each other and to get out of that situation well praise has some pretty cool synonyms as well admiration, respect, honour and glorify just to name a few Praise, of course, is given to show respect for someone's actions or their achievements. Um, just think of the dedication and skill that craftsmen shows, or sports people, or, or um, actors, and whatever, you, doctors, nurses, whatever you look at. It's incredible the dedication that it takes to achieve what they've done. This morning, we're going to consider who and what is worthy of praise. What about praise that will encourage and last forever? Well, we will not be thinking our praise for ourselves. Um, this morning's psalm is about praising God. Why we praise God and what for. Now you may think that that's pretty obvious, but it's more important than you might think. This psalm is a great encouragement and it includes a picture of hope that will sustain us even in our darkest hour. In Psalm 30, David in the first one, points one to five paints a dramatic picture of a desperate situation and rescue. But he begins by saying, I will extol you, which means to lift you up, to raise him above himself. It's a humble commitment to praise God, recognizing his sovereignty and holiness in this situation. So although it may seem simple, we're going to look at why the psalmist will praise God. And there are three points for us to consider, that we must commit to praising praising God, that only God can save, and the importance of praise. So verses 1 to 5 says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment and his favour is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So, Our our praise is the focus of the first three verses and it's about committing to praising God. He will extol. That's what it says in verse 1. In verse 4 it says sing praises and give thanks and later on as we'll see in verse 12 it again says sing praises. So praise is going to be very loud at the very least because praise is not silent. How can it be? Praise has to be shared whether it's spoken or sung in whatever way it's done. I don't know about you but I've missed singing in in these services and and maybe I do the wrong thing but I just speak the words very quietly okay it still doesn't feel right does it you want to sing out to god and that's right and we can look forward to the day when we can do so well in verses 1 to 5 god is praised in verse 1 because he rescues the psalmist from his enemies And not just his enemies. In verse 2, the stakes are raised, aren't they? He not only needs to be helped to be rescued, but to be healed as well. And God answers this cry for help. In verse 3, we see that this is a desperate situation. God acts to save. Here is a rescue mission. Salvation in the context of a place called Sheol. Now, Sheol is the land of the dead. It's a place of darkness and ashes and cold. And here is where souls go to wait for judgment when Jesus returns. It is a place for the dead. David is describing the point that we all will face one day. The psalmist is finished. His life is over until, that is, God acts. And he removes the psalmist from dangers. He hears and he restores. It's verse 2 we see that he's healed or made whole. In verse 3 he is restored, and that word means to restore to life. His soul will be brought out of the pit And he will be restored to new life. But what about those foes? Well, they represent the enemies of God's people. And if you're the enemy of God's people, then you are the enemy of God. And they cannot rejoice over the psalmist's demise because God has drawn him up. The language here is that used to describe water being drawn from a well, which just adds this horrible image of this place. Just imagine being trapped in a well, walls impossible to climb because they're covered in slime, and high above Almost out of sight is this tiny circle of light that's impossible to reach. But no place is out of God's reach. He reaches down and lifts the psalmist out of the darkness and into the light. Now, please don't go away thinking that this is the last second de- decision of God's. This rescue was planned before creation. So what are we to do in the light of this? What does it mean for us? Well, the correct response, we're told, in verse 4, is to, resp- is to praise the God of salvation for this new life. This promised in the new creation. God is worthy for us to sing praises to. This is the greatest rescue mission, not just of all time, but for eternity. And it's easy to picture here, isn't it? Jesus on the cross, surrounded by his enemies, who jeered and mocked him by shouting, save yourself, um, believing that he had failed. And when he died, they rejoiced, but not for long. But if Jesus had not died on that cross, no one would be saved. And of course, he was restored, the first to be resurrected to new life. So verse shows what response we are to give to this saving act of God, to sing praises. And the call is for all the saints, and that word just means every believer. So all of God's people are to join in praise of God. And it also says we're to give thanks for his holy name. Well, in the Bible, names always have a meaning, and they tell us about the person. Now, from this, we can see that we are to make our thanks specific, not general. Well, we we do so because of what God has actually done and there is so much to praise God for. So we need to remember our quiet times, because in reading the Bible more, we will have more to praise God for. In giving thanks, then, we remember what we can praise God for, the God who saves and gives new life. This is who God is. The name Jesus, of course, means the Lord saves. In verse 5, though, we're presented with a contrast. God's anger at sin and death contrasted with God's favour. And this line is more accurately translated, God's favour is life, and that means life eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. His anger then is just a moment, and that cannot be compared to the promise of life. Then we are given the contrast of weeping in the night, but like the night, it won't last. The night is always followed by the morning. However long the night might seem, take comfort, for, um, <clears throat> take comfort for God will wipe it away. The morning is a release from weeping and grief. It brings joy of salvation. And this is a picture of what will be for all who trust in God. God holds out his hands and offers life to anyone who comes to him. He will remove us. He will separate us from those left in Sheol. In a single moment, there will be no more grief. Well, our second point is to know that only God can save. Uh, Verses 6 to 9. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountains stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, be my helper. Now in verse 6, we have this idea of prosperity. In the original language, the the word means to have an easy life, to be secure. But what is it that he has that will make him stand firm? Now there are a number of ways that we can look at this statement. Um, One is of arrogance one is of a false sense of security and the other is the confidence of faith. So, we have arrogance or pride to count what you have, what you, what you own, as evidence of your own efforts and that you have prosperity because you deserve it. But what is there in all creation that has not come from God? And what is there in this world that could help us in Sheol? Then there's the false security, the belief that you are safe. Well, we've, we've learned over the last couple of years that this world is fragile, haven't we? There are so many situations that have brought grief and disaster. Well, we must remember that nothing in this world will last. But in our full security, it's easy to forget God. And our time is spent trusting in what we have, thinking that it will never change. And so we're unprepared for when things do go wrong. And then there are those who have confidence in God. And they cannot be moved. There is no need to fear, even the worst of times, even facing death. Now, whichever way we look at this idea of standing firm, verse 7 tells us two things that bring all these views together. God's favour or grace, which we do not deserve, his acceptance of his people, and it's that acceptance of his people which makes them strong. It's not to do with us. The contrast in verse 7 is that God hides his face. It makes clear that only in God can we stand firm. Verse 7 shows us that there are good times and bad, the things given for us to enjoy or the times of grief and sorrow, and they are all in God's hands. Holding to God is the only thing that can bring us through, that it is God who makes the mountains strong, not us. Only in God will we withstand the night. Without God, the psalmist is dismayed. It's really closer to terrified. There is only one Saviour, and only His grace and mercy saves. To make salvation possible, Jesus went to the cross. He took the sin of His people on Himself. And just before He died, He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was apart from His Father. In His death, He took the punishment for the sin of His people and paid the price. But morning came, didn't it? After Good Friday, we have Easter Monday. As always, the mountain that God has given has stood firm, throughout the night. So when we face difficult times, when we are in danger of falling away from God, verse 8 tells us that there is only one thing to do. We are to cry to the Lord, to plead, to appeal for mercy. And we're shown in the psalmist pleading that he understands his own position, which is our position. In his pleading, he is acknowledging God's authority, sovereignty, and the ability to act. And in verse 9, we have three questions which show this. In verse 9, he asks, what profit is there if he goes down to the pit? Well, there is none, of course. In the footnotes, you you can see that death here can be translated as blood. Well, blood can be seen as a symbol of life. So life, or blood, is wasted without God. There is no purpose in anything we do. Can the dust praise you? No, of course not. Blood spilt here is absorbed by the ashes. It's gone. Will a wasted life tell of your faithfulness? Well, no. But we know God is faithful. He went to the cross. The question here highlights the fact that there is a purpose for praise. Praise runs all the way through this psalm and is always about God's saving act. God wants all, everybody, to know that he is the God of salvation. Sheol is silence and ashes, and there is no chance to praise God to ourselves or to others. So what are we to do? Well, verse 10 says, run to God. Ask for mercy. Asked to be rescued, knowing that only God can save. In Sheol there is no joy shown in praise. The lips are sealed and silent. There is nothing to be gained if you are apart from God. If you are weighed down by troubles and fears, remember that day when in a moment we will be with God, free from all troubles. The right response is to praise God because of salvation. And it is only God who can save. And our third point is the importance of praise. In the last two verses, 11 and 12, we'll see what profit there is in trusting and praising God. So you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Well, in verse 11, we see that in saving his people, he changes or transforms them in two ways. First, he changes mourning or grief into a dance. That's an incredible picture, isn't it? Of what being with God in the new creation will be like. He transforms grief into dancing. We have all felt grief. We know what it is like. Well, maybe you've experienced a grief that leaves you sitting, staring, unable to act, to see no point in doing anything. But here, grief is gone, and the psalmist dances in celebration. What could be a greater contrast to the stillness of grief than the energy and the joy of the dance? Do you remember David when he brought the ark into Jerusalem? He danced in front of it in sheer joy at the presence of God. Shown in his action, unconfined joy. In fact, how our whole lives, everything we will do and be in the new creation will praise God. To be filled with joy is the opposite of grief, isn't it? Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any anymore, for the former things have passed away. The burden of tears and death washed away. In the second contrast, we've got sackcloth and gladness. Well, sackcloth was worn as a symbol to show grief or humiliation, to show repentance, sorrow and regret. It is a wearisome burden. It is the weight of our sin and the consequence of sin, which is death. It weighs us down to Sheol and oppresses us. But good news, that sackcloth is going to be taken away. It is going to be a cause for joy. And God replaces it with gladness. Now grief is loss and emptiness and purposelessness. Gladness, in contrast, is gain, fulfillment and purpose. Gladness, heart-filled contentment, where you can want for nothing more. I suppose we should think of gladness as the fulfillment of joy. God clothes us in gladness. All that sackcloth represents is taken away by God. God removes sin and death, which separates us from him. Everything, in fact, that hinders true joy and, of course, praise. Here is forgiveness. But verse 11, rather clumsily in terms of the numbers, runs straight into verse 12. Which shows the result of this transformation and its purpose. Why will God transform us in this way? Well, God has done this so that the psalmist's glory may sing God's praise, the psalmist's glory. This means that when we are with God, we will share in God's glory. God gives us his glory so that his people can sing and perfectly witness to his praise forever. Praise has a purpose. Praise is how we are to serve God with our whole lives. Praise will not be silent. It cannot be silent. Silence is for Sheol, and there is nothing in Sheol to praise. So we are to praise God for what he has done in salvation. Praise has a reason, a purpose, to which is to glorify God. It is easy to praise when things are going well, isn't it? But praise is not just for when things go right. It's also for when things go wrong. When we are weeping in the night, praise reminds us of who God is and what he has done. His salvation was made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can praise God in times of trouble too. On the cross, surrounded by his enemies, Jesus died when God hid his face. But he was resurrected, brought to new life, so that we can know that God's promise is true. Praise is sometimes hard though, isn't it? Sometimes we don't feel like it. Or we are distracted by our own desperate situation. Or maybe, you know, you think, oh, well, I'll put it off to another day. But praise has a purpose, and it's not just in this life, but the next. Praise reminds us us who God is and what he has done. But also it shares the promise of good news, the gospel message of salvation. Take heart, be encouraged. If in God we stand, then the night and weeping will fail and joy will come in the morning. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you are the Lord of salvation. We ask that in your grace and mercy that we might share this good news, the gospel, faithfully with others. Help us to truly understand this psalm so we may apply it to our own lives. Father, we know that many are coping with desperate situations or close to despair. But Lord, we ask that you will comfort us, strengthen us, so that we may stand through these times And Father, we ask that we would not replace you with our own pride. Lord, we lift you up in praise. Help us to keep our eyes on you. We thank you for Jesus, whose death and resurrection is the hope to all who trust in you. Amen.